0: What is good, futurists? Your host, Michael Zakand here, and you're listening to Our Future. It's a podcast for curious young professionals where I talk with visionary business leaders from the most exciting companies to break down the hottest industry trends and to share career advice with the leaders of tomorrow. If you want to hear from the best in business twice a week, hit that subscribe button. And if you really love this show, no matter where you are listening right now, I would highly appreciate it. If you left Our Future a quick rating on Apple Podcasts, just 10 seconds of your time will be instrumental in helping us get discovered, putting our future out there on the map. So do the boy a favor, toss a review our way to help us get from 30 reviews on Apple Pods to over 50, which is our goal for the next few weeks. Today's interview was conducted in the first ever Our Future Live AMA, which took place last Tuesday. I'm super excited to begin interviewing business leaders in real-time Zoom sessions where you can ask your questions. So if you want to catch the invite to the next event we will be hosting, make sure to be subbed to the phenomenally digestible and endlessly interesting Our Future email newsletter by entering your address at our super sexy website, ourfuturehq.com. My next guest is Steve Hoffman, partner at McKinsey & Company. He has been with the firm for over 14 years and leads the company's global retail procurement and product development practice, and has worked with over 50 clients, transforming businesses in the retail and consumer space. He's based in the Chicago office and has a Bachelor's of Science and a Master's of Science in Industrial Operations Engineering from the University of Michigan. So go Blue. So to uh, to kick off this Q and I mean, I wanna I wanna roll back uh, I wanna roll back time a little bit. I wanna take you back to when you were in our shoes, when you were a student in college. Where was your mind at? I mean, did you did you ever see yourself as, you know, a consultant? Did you even know about the industry? Uh, what were you thinking back then?
1: So um, I first learned about consulting when I took a corporate strategy class, and there was a case about McKinsey, and I it was the industry that I didn't even know existed. Right. And I sort of we did this case and I kind of thought to myself, like, what what is this? Like, I mean, do people actually really do this? Um, and I I, I got very interested in it. Cause I think leaving Michigan, I was assuming I was gonna follow in, in my dad's footsteps. My dad worked at GM for about 30 years. I was assuming I would just kind of be an engineer and keep doing that. And I got very interested in in McKinsey. And I think where my mind was at was that I did an internship with General Motors and I just didn't feel the connection to sort of, the, in a way, the bureaucracy. I think a lot of people obviously can be extremely happy in that type of environment. For me, I wanted something that was a bit more fluid, a bit more changing, a, 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 I mean, you could say challenging, but really just, I like the idea of this sort of project to project. You have these new experiences that it's extremely uh, kind of new uh, each time. I mean, that, that to me just resonated with where my mind was at, that I didn't want to, in a way, settle down in a way I wanted to more speed up. And so that, that was one of the main things that I thought about. And I looked at every consulting firm, I looked at every consulting opportunity because I felt like that was one of the things that was um, and are universal across the industry in a way is that idea of like multiple projects, multiple industries, get a, a, a varied set of experience. And also where my head was at was through that journey, I would sort of find myself and I would sort of then figure out what I wanted to do. And I would kind of then live the next phase of my life.
0: So let's dive into what you do at McKinsey. You specialize in procurement, supply chain, developing uh, omni-channel capabilities. That's definitely a buzzword nowadays. You've saved hundreds of millions of dollars for companies. You've created hundreds of millions of dollars of value for companies. Yeah. And so
1: the the work that I do is actually probably something that is not covered in school a lot, which is procurement and product development. I think is covered in school when I think about creating products and things like that, but procurement is not something I had ever even heard of in school. And I think this is about the 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 way at which a company will manage their spend, like what they, in, in a retailer standpoint, they they consider it goods for resale and goods not for resale. For so things that they buy, so they might buy Campbell soup cans and they sell it on the shelf, and then they also might buy IT services, but they don't put that on the shelf. So they sort of think about it in both ways. There's actually a pretty strategic way to think about how you're buying things, and it's not just negotiating and 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 sort of the, the act of negotiating. there's actually a real kind of process to think about what do you actually need to buy? Uh, how should you be buying it? how should you negotiate? how should you create leverage within their supply base? what level of information do you should ask about how you sort of form partnerships across the, the various functions that own decisions and and think about that. there's actually it's it's a very, I would say new function. It was sort of created maybe in the late 90s an automotive industry really, uh, kind of pioneered it. And it's really now become much more ubiquitous across all other industries. But I would say for the most part, it's, it's, it's a function that is much earlier in its maturity than like a finance function or an HR function.
0: One big part about McKinsey is like you're thrown into an industry you might have never even learned about in your life, right? You'll be thrown onto a project in, in some, some super interesting industry and you'll get exposed to a lot of different moving parts in the business world. But how does a partner at McKinsey like develop a specialty? Because yours, you've clearly found your kind of niche um, in, in delivering value to the clients. But kind of how did you arrive at that?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it, wasn't a, it was both what I maybe I felt I was good at. But I think it, a little bit of it was when I started at McKinsey, this is, I didn't have a set plan in a way. And so I definitely experienced a lot of different things. And I naturally went to things that I was more naturally comfortable with, right? Like some first first project I did actually was in video game console design. So my, my second project was an automotive. And so I went to things I naturally felt comfortable with, which I think in, in retrospect was a good way to de-risk sort of the, the opportunities, right? Because you're setting yourself up for success. But over time, I mean, th- those didn't feel very exciting to me. I didn't feel like a passion about them. I didn't feel like much of a personal connection. And over time, more like my second, third year at McKinsey, I started to develop more of a passion for the the retail industry, sort of the hustle and bustle of the stores, just that energy. I I love that my clients are just incredibly passionate about their brands and about their consumers. And I think I felt a lot of energy towards that. And that over time, that's where I started to more align myself. And today it's probably call it 80% of what I do is sort of in the retail consumer space. There's still been other things I do uh, and help colleagues across a variety of industries that are uh, just kind of, a lot of times it's like leveraging what is a retail point of view and how could that apply to like insurance or how could that apply to banking?
0: So, McKinsey is this legendary company, and there's, there's so much intrigue from the outside, right, about what actually goes on in there and, and what it's like to, to actually work there. I think it's really cool that you have the chance to, to kind of pick your brain about it. You know, what has been so magnetic about McKinsey, right? Because you, you've been at the firm for, for 14 years now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I never envisioned myself, honestly, being where I'm at and kind of sitting in this chair. I, I, I actually assumed that, that it would become too difficult for me and I just wouldn't make it. Um, and I assumed that I would be asked to leave at some point. And I think that's part of what I think has made me stay is that I've found sponsorship and help at all of the times where I was sort of in need in a way. And sometimes you need help in terms of like how to do something, but a lot of times you need help and I I need a new opportunity because what I'm doing right now is not working or, or, or this client is not, we're not working with that client anymore. Or This area that I'm focused on is not something that is in demand anymore. So I need someone to help kind of give a a helping hand to to bring me on to something and give me a new, we, we call it source of renewal. And I think those moments I think have really, I don't know, Connected me more and more to the firm because I've I felt as my life has changed and so I start I mean I started at McKinsey when I was 22. Um, I then over I, over time I got married now I have two kids and another kid on the way I own a house in Chicago and my my life has dramatically changed and I think I've been able to sort of change the way I work because when I was 22 I was all about get on every single plane experience every moment to the fullest. Now I'm like the opposite of that is minimize as much as I can travel, balance as much as I can with my family. And I've been able to sort of change my operating model so that I can still work and be successful, then also sort of balance things. And so I think that's one of the things that has allowed me to like really made me interested in staying is sort of this connection to people and and the help and the sponsorship that you get, It's just sort of an emotional thing. And then also the way in which I've been able to sort of adapt how I work to really what fits with the rest of my life.
0: So in business school and in college, we're thrown onto team projects, literally no matter the subject. And I feel like a lot of us might roll our eyes like, oh, like I'd rather just do this project myself, you know, or, you know, why do I have to work with this person? But can you like explain to us why teamwork is so important? Because at McKinsey, you know, you have to work in a team like a well-oiled machine. And I I feel like that we don't quite see that, you know, in college. So would love for you to touch on that. I I mean, I think you need to, each person in particular
1: brings something to the team. And I think there's both a capacity piece, piece, which is there's the, the scope of the problem of scope of what you're trying to do just cannot be done by a single person. I think then there's just the skills and stuff that each person brings that i can talk about how we might set up a team in a second then there's also just the back and forth pressure testing problem solving co-creation almost like a one plus one equals three mindset that through the through just working with someone else just like talking something through you will make it better than you ever thought because i mean everyone has inherent biases everyone has inherent blind spots and i think we all have different ones and so i think there's there's a a real co-creation and so Uh, The way that we would think about a team is that we not only need to think about our team, but also our client's team and what are the different skill sets and experiences and points of view that we're bringing. And I think it it has dramatically changed since I joined McKinsey. I mean, when I joined McKinsey, it was let's let's take a, a manager and two of the brightest people on the planet and they can solve any problem now it's we need to bring real expertise real like both technical depth i mean a lot of my teams have data scientists on they have programmers on they have industry veterans that have been doing something for 30 years as as a full time team member and then we we still have sort of the traditional model also the traditional folks of the team but it's a it's a very kind of uh multi-pronged or multifaceted team because that's that's the nature of the problem now is that there's um, and so thinking about how you're constructing the team now, but both the skills and, and, and companies and stuff. But then there's a little bit now with just the, the the softer side is how we're we're constructing the team to work now with our clients. We we focus a lot now on client experience and the make that that, that that we're working more with them versus at them, and because that we are. are data and and ask anybody and also just intuition would tell you if people experience something better, they will sort of learn it better. And and we're now really focused on building our clients' capabilities and, and less about the answer, more about the kind of impact. And so we talk a lot about how we're moving from insight partners to impact partners. It's just a whole shift that we've got. And I think at the core of that is the team. At the core of that is the team and the construct of the team and how you think about the ability for that
0: team to thrive. But but Steve, I want to go back to actually what you said about how you know at McKinsey you've really learned to to manage you know your, the work life balance. Mm-hmm. But a huge part of being in consulting, like you're 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 at airports, like you're on the plane, like you're traveling. And I feel like that that's kind of an allure of the job, right? You know, you get to be this business traveler, you get to go see the world. Um, but but now with with COVID, that that's not the case anymore. Uh, do you miss that that part of the job? You know, being always being on the road, or are, are you happy with the current setup?
1: I, I think there's there's benefits of both sides. I, I think the 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 previous the the I don't know pre-COVID model. I think there was something that was nice about certain downtimes. Just just walking between a meeting, you you actually never realized how nice that was. You actually left one room and had three minutes or five minutes to walk between. You just it's just a, it's a little bit of just a change in environment for your mind. I think then there's just the like you get in the cab and there's just a little bit of like you time just sort of to collect your thoughts. Like maybe it's Monday morning and you sort of just like organize how exactly the week's going to go. Right now, it's just like, I mean, I, I set my alarm and I'm, I'm out of bed and I'm like on Zoom within like 20 minutes. Um, and so it, it's, I think there's parts of it that I, I think I, in a way I definitely miss. But I think there's parts of it that I think are now brand new, which are awesome, which is I'm home all the time. I'm with my family much more often. I think in some ways I'm able to do more work because I'm able to, instead of spending, call it a day and a half traveling, I can now actually in a way be more productive. I think then the way that we also think about it is that we can bring the best of McKinsey to our clients in a much more seamless way. Because if let's say our best expert is in Germany and the other best experts in Japan, well, let's bring both of them onto a Zoom Before, it'd be like a huge logistical nightmare to try to get everyone to some city in the US and get someone. Now, it's just, it's so much more seamless. And so I think in some ways, it's the same thing for our clients. I think there's things that you miss and there's things that were obviously better with the old model, but there's also now a lot of new things that are even better with the new model. And I think in the end, we'll probably end up with some type of hybrid um, when when all is said and done.
0: I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for to to pivot into recruiting for, for anybody who uh, my dream of, of working at McKinsey, um, and just the case interview, right? It's this famous concept. Um, I'm sure lots of people throughout, you know, the the past century have lost some sleep, uh, had a few nightmares too about it. Uh, so, could you could you just clarify, like like what to expect? Um, you know, your experience being involved. I know you help out with recruiting on Michigan's campus. Yeah. Um, you know, what what are your insights on that? I think the the misconception.
1: In in my opinion, once again, this is me as an interviewer and just my, my, I think the misconception is the the case interviewer that or the interview itself is about getting the right answer. And for me, it's actually much more about the approach because I think it's about the approach and the strength of the approach because the stronger your approach is, the more likely you're going to get the the right answer. But, and, and so I think a lot of people have asked me about, well, what happens if I make a mistake? What happens if I get it wrong? Is it over? Absolutely not. I mean, I think recognizing the mistake and openly talking about it and just having a cool, casual conversation and be like, wait a second, like, I don't think this is right, but let me sort of collect myself, take a step back. This is how I'm thinking about it. I'm just in just having a conversation with it. I'm interested in understanding how you approach things and you you will inevitably have have things that are wrong. You will inevitably not have the right information. I want to understand how you approach those situations because those are the real moments of truth. And so for me, that, that's what I really look for in an interview. I mean, sure, if someone just sort of uh, blows through everything, gets the right answer, it's perfect. That's good too. That's a very high beta approach though. The, the, the more likely to be successful approach is the open dialogue, engage me in the conversation, let me be an advocate for you, and let's talk it through. That, that, that is the much more likely to be successful. And, and maybe you get the right answer, maybe you don't. But you really had a, a great conversation I learned something from you, um, and we and we talked about something and how you thought about it, and I understood a lot more about you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Steve Hoffman of McKinsey & Company, one of the most prestigious firms in the world who spoke to a group of futurists live in the first ever Our Future AMA event this week. If you want to catch the invite to the next event, make sure to be on our email list by subscribing to our website at ourfuturehq.com. And if you're really interested in consulting, we are launching a new career series next week where we will talk to recent graduates who've landed their dream job and we'll share advice on how you can do the same. And guess what? The first industry we will feature in the series will be consulting. So stay frosty for that one. Have a killer weekend, you guys. I'm gonna be studying for midterms while also figuring out how to build the next big media brand. So see you on the other side. Talk soon.